With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Transforming Lives Bible Radio Show. With Dr. V of Florence, South Carolina, and the Divine Church of Deliverance. Catch Transforming Bible Radio Show every Tuesday with Dr. V at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Positive Power with Double Time Christian Media and Spreaker Podcast. Hallelujah. 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 And praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Welcome back to the Transforming Lives Bible Radio Show. You are listening to your most favorite Bible radio host, none other than Dr. V, better known as Dr. Virginia Singleton, Senior Pastor of the Divine Church of Deliverance, located here in the Windy City of Florence, South Carolina. We are located at 550 Lawson Street. And you are welcome to come out and visit with us and worship in the Lord Jesus Christ at any time. We will be more than pleased to have you worship with us. We would like to say hello to our engineer and producer of this Bible Radio Ministry, Jerry Ross. Y'all always hear me say, he's my son from another mother, and I love him in the spirit as though I have met him already, never seen him face to face, but one day God will provide that opportunity. We thank God for him and using Jerry to provide this platform. We thank God for all of you, our faithful listeners and supporters who come back on this line to always support Transforming Bible Radio. We thank God for my husband who is sitting and listening with us on tonight and our church family. But most of all, we thank God for Jesus, who is the one who makes it completely possible for us to come before you on Tuesday evening at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time so that we can hear a word from the Lord. So let us give honor where honor is due. Pause with me just a moment as we honor the Lord thy God in prayer. Precious Father, in the name of Jesus, we pause right now to tell you thank you. We want to thank you for life, health, and strength. Father, we want to thank you right now for the blood that is yet running warm in our veins. Father God, we thank you for another opportunity to come on this line and be able to give a word from you, oh God, to boys and girls, men and women, oh God, who is hungry for the word of the Lord. And, Father God, tonight we ask that you touch our hearts, O Lord, and prepare them. Kill our hearts, O God, as soil. Prepare them to receive this word. And, Father God, we ask that you touch and prepare our spiritual ear. Open up our ear gate that we might be willing to hear what the Spirit Say to us on this line on tonight. Father God, we ask for this thy humble servant, O Lord, that you continue to decrease me, Father God, in my flesh, O Lord. Decrease me and hide me so far behind the cross that man will no longer see me, but they will see the Spirit of the Lord that dwelleth on the inside of me. Increase me in my spirit, man, O Lord, that I begin to look 
just like you. We thank you now, and Lord, for those who are on the line, oh Lord, we ask, oh God, that you release the anointing, oh God, in their lives and in the lives of their families, that there be no need, no light, and no want for anything, and that all of the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 shall chase them down and overtake them. And we command it to be so in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray, and we all say amen, amen, and amen. Again, we say welcome back to the Transforming Lives. Bible Radio Show. You are listening to your most favorite Bible radio host, Dr. V. We want to thank you tonight for joining us, and we ask that you would be so gracious and kind. Hit those share buttons and invite others to hear this word on tonight, that they too shall be blessed. There is always a word from the Lord. And tonight our word shall come to us from the book of Revelation that shall be our foundational text on tonight. And, of course, we will use a variety of scriptures um, that will uh, support um, what our lesson is going to be about tonight. But if you will turn with us to our um, foundational um, passages tonight from Revelation chapter 22, And we're going to borrow verses 12 and 13. And those passages read, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. And our key verse will be 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, our topic for this Bible study discussion on tonight, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, um, we're going to find out tonight some things about the identity of God, the identity of God. And when we talk about the identity of God, we are talking about uh, the attributes of God, the attributes of God. And, of course, we're going to be making reference to um, some attributes of Jesus as well as Father God because some of them are one and the same. And also some of the attributes, which is also the attributes of Jesus, the Son, and God the Father may also look like the like man's attributes, but of course we know that they are not as powerful as the attributes of God. But because we too identify with Jesus the Son and with God the Father, we also have some of the same attributes of our Father. God. When we look again at verse 12, um, Christ declares his return to earth again many times. Even in verse 7 of 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 Revelation, he said, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. In verse 20, He stated, surely I come quickly. And the chief theme of the book of Revelation is found in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, where Jesus said, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. We want to take note tonight before we go any further. 
You know, we're going to be giving you um, some introductory history, you know, about uh, Jesus as well as around God. And then we're going to go into the portion of the identification and the identity of Jesus and God. Amen. When Jesus returns, all eyes in the immediate vicinity of Jerusalem, where he lands his feet, will see him first. Others will see him at some time later. The descendants of those who pierced him, which refers to the Jews, he will pour out the spirit of grace and supplication according to Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. Even the armies of the nations surrounding Jerusalem when Christ comes because the angels shall accompany him to separate the wheat from the tares. See, God is such a merciful father. He is so loving and he is so kind. And we are already pointing out one of his attributes, which is the mercy and the grace of God. Even those that harmed him, even those that pierced him in his side, those that were his, the descendants of those Jews that took Jesus' life, when Jesus returned, he's going to pour out his mercy on the descendants descendants of those that may have felt that, oh, it was my forefathers that took the life of Jesus, that came into this world to save us. Remember, Jesus was raised as a Jewish boy, and the word of God said, I came unto my own, and my own knew me not, and they took his life. But one of the, the attributes that identified Jesus as well as his father, they were merciful, loving, kind, and forgiving. So when he comes and plants his feet on the earth, the descendants that carried the weight of that burden of what their forefathers did, he said, wait a minute. Don't carry that burden for what your forefathers did. You did not do it. So I'm going to pour out my grace and my mercy on you because that was not your burden that you should have had to bear. Mm. In support of this and identifying the power of Almighty God through Jesus Christ, According to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 11 and 12, it states this concerning the regathering of Israel. See, when Jesus came back, where the diaspora took place, where the Jews were dispersed all over the different nations and and they were taken away from their place, and, and now they are scattered all throughout the earth. When he comes, he's going to regather the people of God. And this is what Isaiah chapter 11, verses 11 and 12 speaks about. And it says this, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand against the the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Petros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign from the nation and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So 
he's talking about the descendants of the Jew that was dispersed all from all four corners of the earth. When Jesus comes at his second coming, when he plants his feet on the ground in Jerusalem, that's what his main reason he's coming back is to regather the people of Israel first. Yes, he is. And he will call them all back from all four corners of the earth. When Christ comes to reign in Jerusalem over all nations, he will undertake to gather all tribes of Israel from throughout the earth. That's going to be his first task and first mission is to regather all of the children of the Israel that has been dispersed throughout all of the nations and bring them back to their promised land of Jerusalem. Israel and Judah will be gathered together from all nations and brought back to one place. Now, Israel, not Judah, Israel is called outcast, but not once were outcasts referred to Judah. It speaks here, again, in verse 12, of the outcasts of Israel being gathered when God builds Jerusalem, proving that they are Jews. In Isaiah, chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, it is predicted that the outcasts of Israel will be in Palestine and then will flee from the Antichrist, get this, into, which was, which was in the Bible, which we read, they will flee into a pagan nation, Moab. Read it yourself. I hope you have your Bible. And you can follow me with this. The children of Israel, the outcasts of Israel, will be in Palestine, and then they will flee from the Antichrist and go into a pagan nation called Moab for protection for the last three and a half years. All outcasts of Israel will be gathered one by one back to Jerusalem. The text reads concerning Moab as a protector of Israel in the tribulation. See, we, that's why we can't point our fingers at anybody because God chooses whomever he pleases to use to get his work done. We don't ever know who God is going to use. He says, I am the Lord thy God, and he created all men for his pleasure, so he will choose whomever he pleases. And when we actually read the text of Isaiah 16, 1 through 5, it reads, Send ye the lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness unto the mount of the daughter of Zion. For it shall be that as a wandering bird cast out of the nest, so the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords of Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make thy shadow as the night in the midst of the noonday, hide the outcast, bewray not him that wandereth, let mine outcast dwell with thee, Moab, be thou a cover them from the face of the spoiler. For the extortioners ceaseth, the oppressors are consumed out of the land. And verse 5, and in mercy 
shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. Oh, my goodness. Do you, you hear how God has already preordained that a pagan nation would protect his children until he decides to come and deliver them? Oh, my goodness. And then he will even show mercy unto them because they protected his children. That's why we cannot point fingers at anybody because the identity of God is his mercy extends unto whomever he chooses to extend his mercy unto. Mankind cannot control the mercy of God. Mercy is one of the attributes of God. That's his attribute for ownership. Man does not own the attributes of God. God's identity belongs to him and him alone. It is he who chooses to distribute his attributes unto mankind as he pleases. Do we hear what is being said on tonight? So the identity of God belongs to him, but he chooses to distribute his identity to whomever he chooses to distribute his identity upon. Mm. And in mercy shall the throne be established. I will forgive whomever I choose to forgive, regardless to what man has done. God has that right. God has that privilege. Why? Because he is the only one who has the power to pass judgment upon anybody. He is the only one who passes the final state of what happens to anyone's life. He said, and he shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David. That seat in the tabernacle of David shall be the seat in the in that seat. When the throne, the throne is now rebuilt in Jerusalem. That tabernacle is rebuilt in Jerusalem. And when the Lord shall come and sit on that throne in Jerusalem, he will act just, exact justice according to how he chooses. Nobody can tell the Lord how to exact justice. It's his own right and it's his own privilege to exact justice, to give forgiveness to whomever he pleases. And what did it say? Judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. It is him. It is his privilege. That is his identity. And we're going to talk about his attributes a little bit more. Why? He is the only one that has that ultimate supreme right to exact judgment according to what he chooses. He says why? Because when it comes to man and God, he says, your way is not my way. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. We don't do things the way that God does a thing. God sees things different from man sees things. Why? Because God sees more than what man can see. Man can only see things from the outer. God sees the outer and the inner of a thing. That's why he is the only one that can give an ultimate judgment concerning any matter. When Jesus comes, every man's work will be tried according to not man's standards, but to God's standards. Do we realize tonight 
that we can never do anything good enough to please nobody in the flesh. Our work will be judged according to God's standard. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15 says this, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. I mean, the day is going to come. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So that's why there shall be no competition between nobody, no matter what your position is, no matter what your responsibility is. It doesn't matter what we think we are qualified to do. Because when the Lord look at what each of us does, even if we have the same position doing the same work, when the Lord look at what we have done, he is going to look at it individually. He is not going to do an, a corporate judgment. He's going to look at it individually. If any man's work abides, which he have built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But but get this. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What? And please, please hear that verse 15 again. I'm going to read that again. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Not that he's going to lose out from being a part of God or lose his salvation if his work suffer loss. Because remember, the Bible has already taught us that it's not our work that's going to get us in the kingdom anyway. And that's where it goes on to say, if a man's work shall be burned, he's going to suffer loss, meaning that God is not going to be satisfied with the work that man did. But even if he's not satisfied with the work, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What was that saying? A man will suffer loss if his works are burned or not suffer loss if they are not burned. But he himself will be saved, that is, if. He be in Christ. No matter if your works don't come up to par to meet God's standards according to what God was expecting your work to be, even if your works don't meet his standards, if you be in Christ, if you was working to please the Lord, if you did not do it all to meet his standards, but from the depths of your heart, all of your motives was in the right place. You had the right intentions. You were diligent in what you were doing. You were doing it all unto the Lord to please God, to bring glory to God. But when God tried your work, what you was doing, and you still came up short, if you was in Christ, if you was doing it to bring glory to him, even though you may suffer loss because your work came up short, he said, regardless of what happens to your work, you shall still be saved as long as you was in Christ. That's the attribute of God, his mercy and his loving kindness. If man give us a task to do, and if we mess it up, and if we come up short on the job, we might get fired. They may not give us another chance. They might demote us. Or they just might kick us completely out, give us a pink slip, and they'll get somebody else and put somebody else in that position. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. That's the identity of God. That's his attribute. He is not like man. And we better be thankful for that. Somebody should be jumping up and shouting wherever you are and saying, thank you, Lord, hallelujah, that you are not like man in the flesh. As long as I'm in Christ, 
And what I do, I do it for you. Even if I come up short, I will not lose out on heaven. Mm. Now, we want to look at verse 13. This is the crux. Oh, the whole crux of tonight's lesson when we talk about the identity of, of, of Christ, of the identity of God. Uh, but now we want to tie in the eternity of Jesus Christ and identity of God. And you really can't talk about the identity of God without talking about the eternity and the identity of Jesus Christ. Why? Because when Jesus was here in the earth, he was here in the identity of his Father God. So we got to kind of uh, uh, intermingle the both of them together because Jesus walked in the earth as his Father. Oh, my goodness. And there's some of the many attributes that Jesus had was the same attributes of his father. So you really can't separate the two of them. So we'll kind of touch on the eternity of Jesus Christ and the identity of God because some of them are one and the same. And again, when we read uh, verse 13, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end the first and the last. Even though Jesus stated that there, Jesus also said that same thing in chapter 1 of Revelation and verse 8. He also said that I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. That same passage also is applicable to Father God. Oh, my goodness. To bring some clarity to this particular passage, we will, with the help of the Holy Spirit, attempt to talk about some attributes of God the Father, which also at times refer to some attributes of of Jesus Christ the Son. We will try to explore some attributes such as omniscient, um, omnipresent, and omnipotent. That belongs to God alone, and at times it will refer to Jesus Christ. As well as we are going to look at some other attributes um, such as knowledge, love, mercy, kindness, patience, and some others that humans can also possess. And even though as humans we possess these attributes, they are not as powerful and not as eternal as the attributes and identities of Jesus Christ and God as the Father. When we consider the existence of our God, mm, we must understand some things about the identity and uh, and the power of God and what makes him God and why we are tonight is not concerned about the identity of man, but why our text and our topic uh, specifically uh, talks about the identity of God because why? It all started with God. It all started with God, and, of course, with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So in understanding who God is, it also identifies who God is. And how do we identify who God is? Is by acknowledging some of the attributes of who he is and who makes him, that makes him who he is. Now, we, there is no way that we can talk about all of the attributes of him. So we're going to just explore a few of the attributes of God tonight, as well as Jesus the Son. And, again, some of them also is applicable to us as human beings. <clears throat> okay, first of all, right out the gate, God is eternal. God is eternal. 
John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. You notice Jesus never said I was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. At this time when Jesus made that statement to the Pharisees, he was approximately 30 years old. And it seemed a very strange spoken to those that heard him. But what was happening, Jesus was attempting to prove his existence long before even the ages of the world was created. In essence, in verse 13, he was saying God always has been and God always will be. Nobody knows when he began and nobody knows if there will ever be any in it because God is eternal. Somebody want to know from David when did the when did God begin? David had to say, I don't know, but all I know he is from everlasting to everlasting. God that we serve, he is eternal. And if God the Father is eternal, then that means Jesus, God the Son, is also eternal. Why would I say that that same attribute identifies Jesus as God the Son as the identity also of God our Father? Because the Bible says concerning Jesus in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So again, that same attribute applies to Jesus, God the Son. Because if God the Father was in the beginning, and if Jesus, God the Son, was in the beginning, it makes them both eternal. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. When we look at the second attribute, when we look at the identity of God, it says that he is holy. Now, we can remember now we're talking about attributes that identify who God is. Now, some of us want to say, well, that identifies me. But we better recognize that we better be honest tonight. Our holiness don't match God's holiness because our holiness, you know, yeah, we hold it and, and we save and we sanctify and we feel the Holy Ghost, but we got to remember we in the flesh. So we, we got some flaws. We have some flaws and, and we are still growing. We are still becoming in our holiness. But God is not becoming in our holiness. God, he is just holy. There is nothing else that has to become in God. God just is. Did we get that? God just is. There's nothing else that has to become in God. God just is. There is nothing else that Jesus has to become in. Jesus is just God already all by himself. He is holy just as the Father is. When we look at Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2, God commanded the Israelites, this is what he said, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Did you get that? Ye shall be holy, for the Lord, your God, am holy. So he was telling them, you got to get holy. You got to become holy. For I am holy, meaning I'm already holy. So you got to be as I am. You got to become as I am. So you got some work to do. You you, you got to change from who you are. You got to change your situation of life and become as I am. He said, I am, meaning I already am. There's nothing I need to do. I don't need to make any changes. You got to be holy. You got to become holy. Holy, you, you got to act like me, you got to be like me, you got to live like me, you got to walk like me, you got to talk 
like me. You got to speak the same word that I speak. But I, the Lord your God, I'm already there. You got to get there. So that's why we, we, we can say that we are holy, but we got to get to where God is. Then that means we're not perfect people. God is a perfect holy God. And, and, and he don't expect that we're going to get perfect, but he do expect that we will allow him to perfect us so we can become as he is. God calls his people to be holy because holiness is built into God's character. That's his identity. That's his his character. It's just in his nature to be holy because that's just who he is. He said, I am. I am holy. I am that I am. And there was nothing about him that needed to be changed. That's just who he is. That's his character. And guess what? This also applies to us. We have to become as he is. And if we say that we are God, and we are, we, we are God it. So we have to become as he is. Our character has to look like his character. There is no, well, how can we say that we are Christians and, and we have the character of demons? Oh, oh, I'm not calling it that because it's true. We cannot say that we are Christians and have a demonic character. It's in God's character. That's just part of who he is. He is holy. So we have to allow him to teach us how to become as he is so that we can be holy. Why? Because he said holiness without no man shall see him. And know that holiness is not a religion. Holiness is not a denomination. Holiness is a character. It's a way of life. The next identity, the next attribute of God is he is gracious. Romans chapter 3, 23 and 24 says this. For all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This talks about God's grace. Man sometimes ain't going to extend us no grace. If we make a mistake, sometimes man will cut us off at the first mistake that we made. But we thank God that he is full of grace and mercy. God does not render unto us what our sin deserves, and we deserve nothing but death. And if some of us look back at the kind of lives that we've lived before God saved us, we know all by all manner of life we should have been dead by now. The penalty for sin is death, but Thank God he offers us an opportunity to receive eternal life. Oh, that's another that's another point right there. Somebody should have just took a deep breath and just jump up one time and just shout, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because the penalty for, death, for, for sin is death, and that's what all of us deserve. But thank God for his son, Jesus. In Jesus, in God's character, he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into this dying world, sample place, and he gave his life for you and I that we might become righteous through his son, Jesus, mm, so that we might have eternal life. Mm. Uh, next one, the best, the next um, identity of God is righteous. Psalm 119 and verse 137 says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Our God is just and is not capable of sinning. His righteousness, his justness, and his morality are innate, a part of his character, and he is incorruptible and continuously has proven himself as a just 
and righteous as well as a faithful father. Even when, and we know, even when we were not faithful to God, God has been faithful to us, and we know that. God remains who he is regardless. Regardless of whether we do what is right or not, God remains righteous. God does not step out of his character. No matter how often we get out of character, and no matter how say we say we are, sometimes things of this world can hit us so hard, sometimes it'll knock us out of our character. But God don't strip us of our righteousness because we step out of character. He will allow us the opportunity to repent, and he will forgive us and give us that opportunity to get ourselves back in character with him. Next thing is, he is good. God is good. Mark 10 and 18, Jesus says, Why call thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. That's God's identity. Jesus wouldn't even let him call him God. They called him good. He said, ain't nobody good but my father, and his name is God. We quickly use the label good in referring to people, people in the flesh. Yet, even Jesus denied that label while he was in humanity. He yielded it only unto his father, God. He said, that's my father's identity. He's good. Don't even call me good. I do a lot of good things. He said, but I don't want you to call me good. I see only my father, my father God, as being good. The next identity of God is faithful. Of course, we know, again, these things also identify Jesus. But we want to basically talk about God tonight. God is faithful. Second Timothy 2 and 13 says, If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Mm. You see, when God makes a promise, he keeps it, even if the conditions are not met by his children. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. Why? Because it's just in his DNA. Mm, I'm going to say that again. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. Why? Because it's in his DNA. That's just his identity. It's just his character. That's just who he is. He is faithful. The next thing that identifies God is he's loving. First John and eight says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Although humans are capable of displaying love, guess what? At times, it's not completely pure. However, God is love and absolutely. Agape, pure, and unadulterated, true, and unconditional. It is just who he is. He is love. Wow. That's the identity of who God is. He is just love. Even the Bible says God is love. That's how the word of God identifies him. The next thing that identifies him, his attribute is God is immutable. What does that say? When we look at 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 29, and there it tells us, And also the strength of Israel will not lie, nor repent. For he is not a man that he shall repent. He is talking about God being the strength of Israel. God speaks truth and cannot change. He cannot change. Once God says something, he cannot change it. He cannot alter it. It has to come to pass, whatever the Lord says. He is the glory of Israel and all mankind. 
He is the same today as he was then of old ages. He has forever pursued humanity and treated them with greater love, mercy, and grace than they will ever deserve. The mercy of God has extended throughout the ages as presented in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, which reads, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. He wants to let them know because your heart is stiffening and rebel yourself. The reason why you ain't dead yet is because my grace extends and my mercy have extended throughout the ages and the whole while. Y'all have been my chosen generation of people. Y'all have been hard-headed, stiff-necked, and rebellious. But my mercy is greater than your rebelliousness. Oh, my goodness. He said, and I am the Lord, and I don't change. It's just my identity. It's in my DNA just to be who I am. One of my attributes is mercy. So you better thank me for my mercy. Oh, that's wonderful. That, that's good news right there. He said, therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. He said, that's why you're still living, because I am a God of grace and I'm a God of mercy. Then we want to look at the, um, the omnipotence of God. Jeremiah chapter 24, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 42 and verse 11, it says this. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. Revelation 19 and 6 says, And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as a voice of many waters, and as a voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. You see, God is all-powerful. There is nothing he cannot do. He spoke and created something out of nothing. His power heals and resurrects. He opened blind eyes. He calls the lame to walk, and he calls the dumb to talk. You see, only God can do these things, and he does them supernaturally. That is what identifies him, his omnipotence, and his ability to do things that's supernatural. Man cannot do these things. Then let us look at the omniscience of God. John 14, verse 29, Jesus says, And now I have told you before it comes to pass, that when it comes to pass, ye might believe. You see, our Father God knows all things. The prophecies he gave through the prophets in the Old Testament has been fulfilled, and some of them are still coming to pass. Even now, thousands of years later, prophecies are still coming to pass. Like Father, like Son, like God, like Jesus. When we look at the omnipresence of God, Proverbs 15 and verse 3, tells us, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Oh, what is this thing? Very powerful. Which means that God is capable of being everywhere at the same time. Oh, yeah, I heard somebody say, well, how can God be everywhere at the same time? This is a big, big world. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, Psalm 139 and verses 7 through 12 say, reminds us of this. It reminds us of God's identity in every place. And it says, 
Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the seas, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. And verse 12, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. What is what is happening here? Though God's personal body is only at one place at any given time, guess what? His majestic presence is felt so powerfully in all parts of the universe at the same time. Therefore, no man can escape his presence, even though he cannot physically see God. God's identity in his spirit of his anointing and his majestic presence illuminates through the anointing of God, which makes his presence known throughout the earth. Also, God's identity is presented in plant light, in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, in very nature itself, as well as in humankind. There is no place that exists outside of God's presence where we can hide from him. Amen? Because the identity of God and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is in every one of us who are Christians and who have accepted the Son as our personal Savior. Every day of our lives, we walk as little God in this earth because we have taken on the identity of God, the Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, we want to thank God tonight of this word as we close with Psalm 103 and verse 8. The identity of God says this, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And it talks about the compassion of our Father. Oh, we are so grateful tonight. We want to thank God for all of our faithful listeners tonight. We thank God for this word because I choose to believe that somebody's heart has been filled with this word tonight and they will change because they heard this word and they will understand now that they are little identities of God and their lives will change. And not only that, somebody is going to be transformed by this word. We thank our faithful listeners for tuning in with us tonight. We want to thank Jerry Ross Live Worldwide. We want to thank Positive Power 21.org for providing this platform for us again and again and again. Following Transforming Lives Bible Radio, you'll be listening at Paula Breon on Thy Testimony, and following Thy Testimony, you'll be listening at Veronica Brown on Pearls with Veronica. We thank God for you. Live richly in the Lord Jesus Christ because everything that the Lord promised you, it is already yours. Get it by faith, not by sight. And remember, you are a little ID of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Dr. B. We love you. And until next week, same time, same place, we say good night. Transforming Lives Bible Radio Show. 
Dr. V of Florence, South Carolina, and the Divine Church of Deliverance. Catch Transforming Bible Radio Show every Tuesday with Dr. V at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Positive Power with Robert Christian Media and Spreaker Podcast. You're listening to Jewish Worldwide Podcast.